Proactive Athletes is the premier place that empowers student athletes to overcome the challenges of college sports recruitment. Their unparalleled expertise and influential network will guide you towards realizing your fullest potential. At Proactive Athletes, they understand that each student athlete is unique, facing their own set of obstacles. That's why their dedicated team takes the time to comprehend your individual needs, providing a comprehensive hands-on approach tailored to your success. With their personalized attention and unwavering support, they ensure your satisfaction every step of the way. Through their vast network, they have successfully connected with over 2.3 million coaches, giving your child's profile the exposure it deserves. In fact, their student-athletes' profiles have been viewed by an astounding 716,000 coaches, solidifying their reputation as the go-to platform for recruitment. What sets them apart is their data-driven approach, allowing them to make informed decisions that result in better outcomes for their student-athletes. By harnessing the power of data, they maximize your child's chances of success as they embark on the next chapter of their athletic journey. Join the ranks of proactive athletes and unlock your true potential. Let them amplify your talent, connect you with coaches that want you but may not have known about you, and pave the way for your future success. Together, they will defy the odds and ensure that your dreams become a reality. Don't wait any longer. Get proactive in your child's recruitment process today by visiting proactiveathletes.com. And make sure you use Shark Effect 10 for 10% off. Training is that if you're not representing what you're saying, people don't, they don't listen and they don't see it. They don't, they don't see themselves getting to a point of progress without having an example. So one of the things that they have you do is they ha- you do everything with everybody. You are always setting an example. It's intercepted. Welcome to The Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I'm a former NFL veteran, and now I'm a leadership and personal development speaker and coach. In this podcast, you will hear inspirational and humorous stories from leaders of all walks of life, from current and former professional athletes, coaches, authors, experts, executives, and successful business owners. Discover how these leaders not only overcame obstacles, but also learn core principles that led to their success when leading others. Sam Johnson, my man, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm good, man. It's, it's, it's good chopping up with you, man. I, yeah. I, uh, you know, I feel like every time I speak with you, I learn something. And I, I'm always, I'm always wanting to engage with people that can, that can, uh, that can help me, that can grow me, and that can challenge me. And it seems like every time I talk with you, every time we meet up, that happens. <laughs> yeah. So I figured, man, no, gotta, I feel the same way about you too, man. I appreciate, I appreciate that. So I was like, man, you gotta, I gotta have um on my podcast. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, so man, I like I'm the name, just, by the way. The what's name. up? I like the name of the podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It was, it was, you know, uh, for, for people who don't know or have just dove in to the Shark Effect podcast, my first episode kind of tells a story about the Shark Effect. Now, I think we all have those moments in life when you get challenged. Mm-hmm. And because you get challenged, certain parts of you come out right there's a more focused piece of you 
And for me, it was uh, during my football career, I had someone kind of placed in my, into my, um, I'm going to say aquarium. That's not, that's the wrong word, but you know, kind of, yeah, yeah. Placed in me. And so I, it challenged me and I had the best year of my football career. And I think we all have that, 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 uh, that thing in us that when you can, when you put that shark in your tank, you get more focused and you get more dialed in. Yeah, no doubt. And so in saying that, man, I want to I want to hear I want you to tell a, um, a little bit about your background and your story. Um, our dad was an army soldier and a, and a um, police officer. So we always had like him to look up to. He was from L.A. and he was he was a, he had a pretty rough upbringing, um, lost a lot of cousins to like gang violence and stuff like that. So mm. he he eventually moved up to Portland when he was 16, 17, went to Wilson High School. And that's kind of why we were in Portland instead of L.A., because a lot of our family is in L.A. My mom's from Camas, Washington. Um, her family probably had never seen a black person before my dad mm. and my mom brought him home and some of them liked it. Some of them didn't. So, <laughs> um, you know, like, like my mom's dad, I never met him, but he passed away when I was like three or four, but we all, we've heard stories about him and, you know, he was involved with the KKK and stuff like that. So when I tell people kind of like the dichotomy of, you know, the interracial, uh, parents, um, they're like, damn, you got like two sides of the spectrum. Right. So, yeah. So Washington, California kind of came together. We're in Portland, Oregon. Um, after high school, I was I was in the military. But what drove me to the military was definitely my dad. And uh, my sports career early on was kind of impacted. I was always a small, skinny kid, like super wiry. And I mentioned Ethan. He was always a big dude. So like my family looked at him as the football player and I was more of like a track basketball guy, but love football. First time I played football, it's like seventh grade. I was number 84 because Randy Moss was my favorite player. You probably played against him a little bit. <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah. He was a, he was a young pup when I, <laughs> when I was playing. Yep. Yeah. So I looked up to guys like him and, um, Deion Sanders on defense. Um, but as far as my actual playing football, I had, I got four or five games in in seventh grade. I was on a kickoff return, ran out of bounds. Um, dude dove into my leg after the play. Like, I don't know if he meant to, or if he got pushed into, I don't even know, but he fell like full speed and I was almost just dead stop. So the play had the whistle blew. I was stopped. He flies into my leg. It just goes in sideways, broke my femur, tore my ACL. Um, which I found out later. I tried to walk it off. Like I was like still trying to play. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I didn't want to yeah. stop. Like I was like, man, something's wrong. Like it popped, but I, I wanted to get back out there. Cause I loved, I loved competing. Um, but yeah, I ended up having surgery at 12 years old and that surgery took about a year and a half to recover from. And the, so I went through like physical therapy and I went through a rehab pro, uh, program, but really the program was, uh, leg press, knee extension, hamstring curl for three sets of 10, like three days a week. It wasn't anything substantial. It wasn't like a real strength conditioning program. It was like check in with the PT uh, once a month for the first like six months. And then there was like an annual checkup. And that was pretty much it. And they kind of just, you know, expected me to recover fully. But when it, what ended up happening was um, 
I felt like I had pain. Like I got back into basketball like a year and a half later. I felt like I had pain in the front of my knee, some weakness. So by this time, 13, 14. And then I get to Lincoln High School and my dad gets deployed to Iraq. So this was like 03, 04. This is like 04. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's in Iraq and then I'm, you know, the oldest brother. So I, I felt like I was kind of, I was pretty stressed about the fact that he was gone, but I was young. So I didn't really realize how stressed I was. I feel like my body kind of took it on. Like I had a hard time, like keeping food down. I had like stomach issues. It ended up that I lost about 30, yeah, 30 or so pounds. And I was hospitalized when I was 14, 15. They had to give me um, prednisone, which is a, it's like a steroid to, it's like an oral steroid you take to kind of get your bodily functions working Mm -hmm. um, at a quicker rate than what they're operating at. So my body wasn't holding on to food, basically. It was just going right through me or coming out uh, my mouth. So I was, I was in the hospital bed, um, I think for about a week, a couple days at least. And they, they got my body to kind of like start holding on to food, got me back home, put me on like a program as far as like drinking these smoothies and eating, you know, pretty bland, like oatmeal and just rice, and just some stuff, potatoes, stuff that's going to like stick to me. Mm-hmm. So I was able to um, re- rehab from that in about a year. I missed like three months of school and this was like freshman, sophomore year. So I missed like, yeah, I remember it was like end of freshman year because i failed pe no oh, wow look at that <laughs> yeah the, the, P, the pe teacher he he wasn't having the story you know he was like wow. oh, you missed too much school we can't we can't pass you and i was like all right so the, the next year i had to go to summer school for pe <laughs> and everybody's like why are you <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> that's funny but, <laughs> yeah, by the time I get back to uh, full health, I'm in PE summer school, and um, I finally got back to playing sports again, like end of junior year, I played some football, played some, uh, I played baseball, and then senior year, I was able to play football the full season, I was lifting and, and, and getting into it, but you know, we, mostly my lifting was like leg press and bench press, and like, that was so pretty much like be almost the same thing you did when you was hurt. <laughs> yeah 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 so so yeah so it was like you know all through high school there was no real training program um so I felt like that that stood with me like in my mind like going into the military I learned right away how to eat how to train how to sleep how to push yourself mentally past what you perceive as your limits and I think that's one of the things that I learned the most was like when you think you're tired you got like another level you got like three more levels where you can just keep pushing. And, and that's what, is that what the military kind of brought out of you? Yeah. Like you can push yourself to another limit. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, that was from, from day one. I mean, I, I was fortunate enough, like I said, to grow up with a dad who was in the army and he was like a drill sergeant and all this, but I mean, that's, <laughs> I'm the same way. My dad was in the army. Yeah. Drill so sergeant. You know, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, real intense, all about discipline, all about, yep. like, you know, showing up on time, being like paying attention to detail, picking up lint off the rug, like picking weeds, you know, yep. doing push ups until you cry, stuff like that. 
um so I grew up that way but it was like different when you're out on your own like you're out of your house you're you're out just I was in Texas when I was 18 years old in basic training for eight weeks and um yeah staying in a room with 50 guys for a couple months it'll test it'll test different parts of your character that you didn't even realize like was there like patience and just you know how do you deal with stress when there's your guys that are 23 24 they're five six years older so before the military i'd look at guys who are 20 24 25 is like so old you know so wise and and just overall whatever you know look at them look up to them in the in basic training it's like you're all at ground zero so no matter what your age is you're treated the same exact way and and at 18 you might be put in charge of people who are 24 25 and they come into the same mentality looking down on you because you're younger Mm. right so but you're the same rank so in the military it's all about rank so then everybody is like trying to figure out how to deal with a younger dude telling them what to do and a lot of times those heads collide and those those egos collide where it's like I'm not doing this because I think I'm better than you. I'm doing it because they're telling me this is the system. So we have to adhere to it, right? So like things like that came up where I was like put in a leadership role at a young age and learn how to talk to people with respect, but also lead in a way that's like, I don't need to tell you, just do and I'll do and we do it together. And you work together, you learn how to come to a common goal on a mission together and just in general it really just breaks you down to like you know your basic survival skills see i love that and i want to just kind of jump to like those tools that you learned when you was in the army how does that translate to you being a performance trainer now yeah so I was in the Air Force, but I, I spent a lot. Of time. Okay, sorry about that. Air Force. Are you okay. kidding? Nah, I mean, I spent a lot of time with the Army. Like, I was on Fort Leonard Wood in Missouri, and I was in Fort Lewis, uh, Washington, and I was in Afghanistan and Korea and Japan. Spent uh-huh. time with the Army, Marines, Navy, you know. So there's all this, like, rivalry between the services. But really what, what I learned the most was how to work together, how to lead from the front, how to be, how to show by example. And I began training at 19, 20 other people um, who of all ages, you know, in all ranks. And I think that it wasn't on purpose. It was like, they threw me into that leadership role as a fitness trainer where we get together. Total, who's they? Oh, like the commander, like, okay. so like a major or Lieutenant Colonel um they or even like a master sergeant like people who are like kind of like middle management um they appoint people to lead the fitness training routines in the morning at 5 a.m okay yeah so they told me I had to do that um and at first I was like nervous and I you know I wasn't comfortable speaking in front of people like I had never wanted to do that never wanted to be a trainer. Like I was always just like the guy that's just trying to like coast and slide through, you know, um, without being noticed, but they, they noticed 
Uh, he can do push-ups well. He can run well. He can do pull-ups. Like, he can do everything decently. And then I was playing flag football or something, and they were like, this guy, he's a good athlete. Like, he, he needs to be leading some training. So they talked to me. They sat me down. They told me about that. They, they got me uh, certified. And so I started doing that. And really what I learned training is that if you're not representing what you're saying, People don't, they don't listen and they don't see it. They don't, they don't see themselves getting to a point of progress without having an example. So one of the things that they have you do is they have, you do everything with everybody. You are always setting an example. And I think that was the best part about starting at 19, 20 training people. And then when I was in Afghanistan, it was the only thing to do. Like we would work all day. 12, 15 hours a day building roads and airfields and um, just different buildings around the base and off the base and escorting Pakistanis and Afghans into the base and off the base. And it was pretty stressful. Like it was a stressful environment. I mean, cause there's roadside bombs and all kinds of sniper fire. Like there were times where, you know, the days would go by, but like, every second you feel kind of paranoid, especially when you're driving by like a wrecking yard of vehicles that have been blown up and you see nobody survived that and you're just driving around and that's, that's what they were doing. So it's scary, but it, it also gives you this sense of like presence. Like you have to be present because you never know when your last second could be. So every day I would go to the gym at night and I work out with like a group of like eight to 10 uh, dudes. And a couple of them were like army rangers and then like air force combat controllers. And they, their job was to go out and hunt people at night. So they would train before they went out and we were training when we came back. Um, Cause our job was combat engineering. So it was like, we were trained in combat, but we weren't, our mission was taking care of the base and, and basically doing construction. And then they're the ones that are going out, you know, taking souls basically. Mm. And they, they, they were a different breed of person. Like they were like tough. Like they didn't need to show you they were tough. They were just tough. They, they never complained and working out with them taught me there was a, there was a different style of training that I wasn't, uh, I wasn't doing yet. Mm. <laughs> so I got into that, into powerlifting and into like, they were, they were, they were doing a lot of CrossFit. So I was doing a lot of that with them where you're doing like, you know, you're maxing out on your deadlift and then you're doing a hundred pushups, a hundred squats, a hundred pull-ups, and then like a hundred kettlebell swings. And that's the workout. And then, you know, you do something else the next day. So let me ask you when, you have your athletes and, you know, for my listeners, can you tell them what type of athletes do you typically train? I train basketball, football, soccer, a couple track and field, a couple volleyball. Um, I train a few swimmers. Swimmers. And then you also train just regular people, right? Every, everyday people. Everyday people. Um, military, former military. Uh, future military and yeah just in general um, anybody that's trying to trying to get some work in 
Gotcha. <laughs> but so, uh, focused, focused and driven people are usually the ones that stick with it. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, is there, I'm interested, I'm interested to hear your answer to this. Is there a certain person or people that you don't train? It, it, you know, right fit, wrong fit for you. You know, for me, when I was training, and I used to train anybody, mm -hmm. but then I got very selective because I, I want to be around people that's inspiring. Yeah. And there's nothing worse than somebody coming in and they're just there to check the box. And you can tell. Yeah. You know, they're just there to check the box. Mm -hmm. And I remember on one occasion I was working with the with a client and mm -hmm. had him for an hour and he barely said three words. And I was trying ask, you know, asking yeah. open-ended questions to try it to get him to open cold. up, but he was just, <laughs> he was stone cold. And I was like, man, this is, this is draining. <laughs> so yeah. do you have that, you know, somebody, do you, are you for everybody? I think strength training is for everybody. No, for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my personal, my personal training and my ability to work with somebody is all based on, uh, it's a mutual respect. It's also a mutual, like, kind of just awareness of why, like, what's your motivation? Um, so the people that don't know their reasoning for training or they, maybe their training is, they're, they're training for reasons that I don't understand. Like, if somebody is just training for aesthetic, like they want to look good. Okay. Do you, that's fine with me. Right. Do you want to eat right? Nah, I just kind of like, I just want to get like a six pack. Okay. So do you, are you willing to follow a meal plan? Oh, I can't follow a meal plan. So somebody who just wants the result, but doesn't want to put in the work is somebody that I don't feel is ready to train in my system because my system requires 100% commitment. And sometimes people just aren't ready to commit. So it's not necessarily a type or kind of person. It's more just if people are not willing to commit 100%, then it's really not to their benefit to train with me because I will push them in a way that will question, they'll have to question why they're doing it at a certain point. And if they're not willing to, you know, 100% commit, they're not going to get the results and they're not going to want to train because it's going to be painful for them and they're not going to feel the results. See, uh, and I hope my listeners are really paying attention to this is because when we talk in, I like to, I like to talk in principles, foundational principles. And if you're trying to get, you know, the best version of yourself, you know, fitness wise, it's going to take something. It's going to take commitment. And so what you're hearing from Sam is like, yeah, a hundred percent commitment. And that's in every aspect. I don't care if you're trying to get more fit, if you're trying to be a better father, if you're trying to be a better coworker or a better boss, it's going to take something. And that, that big something is commitment. Yeah. That's where it starts. It starts being, there. being willing to commit to the program, because if you go to the doctor and they tell you, you got something wrong, 
but you can fix it and you can fix it by doing A, B, and C. But you're like, I don't really want to do C. Like, I don't really feel that. And the doctor's like, all right, well, then you're going to be sick, you know? And so, I mean, you see that a lot with uh, clients as well. Mm, that's crazy. That's crazy. So, so when you have in your, let's say you're, um, you're, uh, because I know you train a lot of athletes getting ready for college or even oh, yeah. when, when they're getting ready for their next step after college in terms of professional ranks. Yeah. What is that? What does that first conversation uh, look like or feel like? Yeah. So, I mean, um, my brother, Ethan, he played for, he started four years at Notre Dame and he went to the NFL to play with the Kansas city chiefs. And this was the year that our dad passed away. So he graduated, our dad passed away. He didn't know if he really wanted to go pursue that because he felt sad about our dad. And I was still in the military and his senior year, was a good year. His, I mean, his, his whole college career was good. Like he was, he was an NFL guy, but, and he had agents wanting to sign him and he just didn't trust that process. He didn't like most of the agents, like all this stuff. So I learned a lot being a part of that process with him because he would talk to me about, you know, how he didn't feel comfortable with agents like this and that. What ended up happening was paralysis by analysis. And he, he couldn't, commit and he was like i just don't know what i want to do basically time went by because it's only like a four or five month window between when you're done playing and the draft so mm -hmm. you got to make decisions quick and there are decisions that affect the rest of your life and you know that going through it but he kind of like had a lot of stress going on with our dad because our dad passed away in uh in may and he was just like real real you know sick before that mm -hmm. but he put his name in the draft last second and got picked up by the chiefs on draft day he didn't get drafted but he was like a preferred free agent or whatever um so he goes to camp but he hadn't been training but he didn't know he was like i don't know and i told him you know work work out with me like come train blah blah, blah. he was kind of you know he's my brother but he was like i know how to train what do you mean I don't need to come train with you, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and so I'm like, all right, cool. But gets a, gets a concussion. It ends up being his seventh concussion, and he gets knocked out of football. And what he and I discussed after that was just that process and what we learned about it. And we wanted to start a facility together. But really, when you're, when you're looking at athletes and, and you're talking to them and, and you see any kind of hesitation, like for me, if I see any hesitation, I'll try and get to the bottom of it. Like, why are they hesitant about something? Why are they not willing to commit to a meal plan, going to the field, lifting, stretching, stretching, especially, I mean, stretching is like, it, some athletes are allergic. They hate it. So just discussing those things and like, you know, what it takes. Cause like you said, there are many aspects to it and mm -hmm. learned a lot i learned a lot through the years but really the most successful athletes they just commit on all levels and they're ready to do what it takes at all times and they never give up mm. let me ask you so 
because, you know, we're taping this and it's right before Christmas of 2020. And you've been doing this for a while in terms of training. Mm -hmm. And I know there's going to be an influx, influx of new business or new clients for you because of the new year and new year's resolutions. What do you tell those clients? What do you tell them like that, that first phone call or text or email when they're trying to get on a fitness plan to start their new year? How does that sound like? Well, I usually just ask questions, you know, if they're willing to show up or if they are coachable or if they're willing to set goals, what, what, what those look like. If their goals are long-term, okay, let's break it into short-term goals and you have milestones along the way. So just, just try to give people a good idea that this is, this should be long lasting. This shouldn't be like a 30 day cleanse and then go back to like eating burgers every day. <laughs> so yeah. give me three tips. Give me, give me three tips that, that my listeners, they can follow with kind of getting, getting on the health kick to, to, to start the new year. Yeah. I mean, a real easy thing, uh, not, not easy in the sense of, you know, when you don't feel like doing it, it's not easy to do it. Right. But like, it's a real simple thing that you can do in the morning. It's just have a, have a smoothie with some vegetables in it and some fruit in it. And not one of those ones you buy from Odwalla, nothing against Odwalla, but it's pure sugar and pure it's sugar. Puree, and it's just been sitting there for a while. So buy some fresh vegetables, like some kale, spinach, celery, throw it in, get a banana or an apple or an orange, throw it in, add some water or add some almond milk or coconut milk, blend it and do that every day. If you do that every day and you still eat a burger at lunch, you're at least having a smoothie in the morning and that's going to increase your, your body's metabolism. So cut out whatever you're doing for breakfast, eat a smoothie. That's number one. Try to get six to eight hours of sleep. That's always a, a difficult thing for people who are in the military or were in the military because sleep is not always a priority. Um, so that's one of the things I've really worked on is being able to sleep more and, um, and doing some- How do you go about that though? You know what I'm saying? Like, what yeah. are some tips? in terms of like getting better quality of sleep? Is there like a certain time? Is there certain things they should stop doing or start doing? To yeah, there, there are a few start that process? Yeah, so one of the things that I have done um, is stretch before bed. Like I've, I've done about 10 to 15 minutes of stretching. Oh, it kind of yeah. like helps relax the body a little bit and then I'm able to kind of fall asleep. Or I've been doing this especially this last few years but have uh there's this magnesium powder called calm it's like you add it into water and then drink it 20 30 minutes before you're gonna get in bed and yeah like schedule your time to go to bed like if it's if you gotta wake up at 4 a.m and you want to get at least six hours of sleep that means you gotta be asleep by 10 so you should probably be in bed by like 9 30 and that's just like you just got to do it. And then also like the phone shouldn't be on in bed. Um, sometimes that's really tough, especially if you are like me and you like to read books on your phone. I mean, my wife does that, man. Yeah. She got the, she got the, not the phone, but the uh, Kindle. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this damn light flashes and she yeah. just, she loves her books. Yeah. But and then she's like, oh, I didn't get a good night of sleep. I couldn't go to sleep. And it's like, well, damn, turn yeah. off the, turn off the Kindle, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah, the light, the light does, does it. Um, so those type of things. And then, uh, yeah, just, you know, just staying consistent. Meditation is really good too. Sometimes like my wife and I, we've done the, the, uh, it's a, it's a headspace. Oh yeah. 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 We've done headspace a few times and I'm, I'm usually out after like a minute of it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that works too. Meditation. I love it. So, uh, so eating smoothies, getting your six to eight hours of sleep. Yeah. And stretching, stretch either, either before bed or, or first thing when you wake up, if you do it when you first wake up, which is another thing I love to do it's out of the way. So like, if, if I'm, if I'm waking up and I'm drinking, most people drink coffee or tea in the morning and I like alternate some days I'll drink coffee. Some days I'll drink tea. The thing about stretching is you can do it while you're doing other stuff. Like you can watch the news and stretch. Like you can roll out a yoga mat and stretch while you watch the news and drink your coffee or whatever. Mm. And might sound weird, but like I'll hit like a pigeon pose for like 10 minutes while I'm drinking coffee and watching the news and I feel like that helps my body a lot more than this. If I was sitting on the couch all the time, I like gotcha. to sit on the couch, but like if I can get 15 <laughs> minutes of stretching in, I might yeah. as well. What are um, somebody like your key movements that, that you give your, let's just say like your regular, regular people, or it could be your athletes. Like what are like three to five, like every day you come in and this, these are the things that, going to happen these movements or at least that pattern they're going to stay the same and then the benefits of them yeah 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 so um everybody and i have always said this like ever since i opened strength farm like everybody should plank every day so everybody's gonna plank when they come through the doors so a plank what's from the elbows from your hands well what does that look like i prefer the hands with the arms straight, like a push-up position, gotcha. uh, just because it helps engage the upper body a little bit more. But if they got wrist issues or shoulder issues, then we'll do the elbow plank or flip them on their back and do like a hollow hold, something to kind of like engage their core, get their mind right. Because when you have to stay still and you have to focus, there is some like self-talk going on. It could be positive or negative or neutral but it's mostly some some good like alone time in your mind to figure out you know what your intent is for the day are you going to quit through the minute of plank or are you going to finish it if you finish the minute you can do anything throughout the rest of the the course of the workout so plank plank usually some sort of uh carry whether it's a farmer's carry suitcase carry um explain that for my listeners yeah, so like carrying kettlebells or dumbbells at their sides while they walk. Um, and, and that's a farmer carry. Yeah, that's a farmer carry. Suitcase carry would be on one side at a time. Or you have like your weighted walk or you're holding something up overhead, whether it's a dumbbell or kettlebell or med ball. And then uh, I like to have people do pastors with a band um, or a PVC pipe. So pastors, you're going up and back and around. So, so for shoulder mobility. Yeah, it helps open up the shoulder and, and the thoracic. So like if you're if you're sitting all the time like this, 
and it helps counteract that. If you're always on your phone or computer, you know, things that we normally do drive, then you're in a closed position. So we like to open everybody up before we start doing deadlifts or bench presses or pull-ups or, you know, any, any type of lifting, we like to do some mobility and some planking, some carries, and then uh, some sort of like stability work for their hips and their shoulders. So. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that's good. That's a, uh, yeah, that's just very helpful. What are some of the things that you see from athletes that come in and they've been playing their sport for years, let's say like, you know, middle school and then in their high school, and then they come to see you when they're like a junior or a senior and they want to, you know, they want to, uh, they see the benefit of training. Mm -hmm. What typically do you see from them? Like, is it just uh, bad stability? Do they got bad posture? Are they stiff? What's, what's the typical athlete? What does that look like? I'd say, you know, you're talking high school athlete. Typically, they're weak <laughs> relative to their body weight. Gotcha. Meaning, if you give them a trap bar deadlift and you tell them to pick up their body weight 10 times, a lot of them can't do it. And I wouldn't do that the first day, but you can tell by the way they move and the way they do the little things like pick up a kettlebell and carry it. I'm not going to load them with 200 pounds if they can't pick up 50 pounds and carry it a hundred yards without leaning. Cause that mm -hmm. shows me that their core is weak mm -hmm. and that's where it starts. I mean, it starts from the ground up and the inside out. So it's, it's one of those things where getting an athlete stronger will help prevent injury. And that's just like the most basic fundamental that I use in my, in my, philosophy is not you know people don't need to be world record strong but I like to use their body weight as a metric of strength because it's all relative if a kid comes in and he weighs 120 and he can only deadlift 60 pounds he needs to get that up by 200 percent mm -hmm. you know if a girl comes in and she weighs 150 and she can deadlift 150 for 10 She's like a thousand pounds or a thousand times stronger than the dude that can only deadlift 60. Mm -hmm. So if I'm looking at athletes just in high school, I think strength is definitely the, the key. And, and just, you know, that trap bar deadlift, being able to do your body weight for 10 times, that's a real good like test before they start yeah. lifting heavy and doing all this explosive movement and, you know, doing plyometrics. You know, people will do or search for speed training and plyometrics before they have basic strength and fundamental strength of what I just mentioned. They should be doing that before they do any type of plyos, in yeah. my opinion, because it's just the plyos are going to reinforce the the weak areas. Gotcha. No, and, I, I love those metrics. That, that gives my listeners and, you know, an idea of what is, what is strong, mm -hmm. right? Cause my strong is different than your strong, right? Uh, yeah, that's, that's very interesting. So I want to talk about, man, something you've been working on and you gave me kind of like a, 
a backdoor look at it. I want yeah. you to talk a little bit about your, uh, you know, something that is pretty cool. It's, a, you know, I know you're excited about it and I think, or I know this can help out a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, can you talk about your, your app? Oh yeah, definitely. So um, I was able to partner with Danny Decker and Harlow Interactive. They're a digital marketing agency and we created SFX Athletes. And it's kind of just based on the system. Hold on, SFX, what is that? SFX is Strength Farm Anywhere. So okay, my, gym, my gym, Strength Farm, uh, opened that in 2015. And it's just basically the system that I've kind of like used with people. And, and I feel like I've really morphed it into something that can be a standalone product uh, app that somebody can sign into. They do put in their information in there as far as height, weight, age, sport, or if they're military or if they're police or fire, or they're just training for life. Cause life is definitely the hardest sport that there is. I mean, especially as you start to get up there in age, your body starts to kind of like shut down. So how do you prevent that? You got to train for it. Um, so getting the information is number one. Number two, the, the assessment, the assessment is a plank and a broad jump. So, Again, going back to the plank, we want people to do one to five minutes. If they can do more than five minutes, that's great. That'll increase their score. But the plank number, whether it's one to five minutes, if you do one minute, you're a one-star athlete. If you do five minutes, you're a five-star athlete. So it's real simple. And then broad jump is one of the best standalone tests. I mean, they had it in the JFK presidential tests back in like the 60s uh, for a reason. <laughs> Because they were, I know they were, they were yeah. really trying to get people to train. And yeah, I found some old black and white videos of, of some old school PE classes. Those those were tough. Like people, people <laughs> were struggling, but they were also like kind of beastly. Like they were doing chin-ups and pull-ups and all kinds of stuff. Single yeah. leg bounds. Like oh wow. Yeah, I'll have to send it to you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But uh but yeah, so the broad jump, they want to do. If you do half your height in distance, that's a one-star athlete. If you do one and a half times your height in distance on the broad jump, that's five-star athlete. Everything else is in between. So 75% uh, of your height in distance is going to be the two-star athlete. Jumping your height in distance is the three-star athlete. 1.25 times your height in distance is the four-star athlete. I think so, I was a four-star athlete. I got it. I got to double check. Yeah. You're but I think when I did it, I was a four star. You're a beast. Just let, I want to let everybody know that. So. Yeah, yeah. You're a beast. <laughs> so what was your plank? Oh, but I think my plank, I think I did it for like three minutes. That's good. So I gotta yeah. I gotta I gotta step it up a little bit. That's good. So so what it does is it takes your score from your broad jump and your plank and it creates one composite score. So it averages them together. So you get zero to a hundred it gives you back your score. That score is tied to the algorithm, which creates your system and your training. So say you score an 82, which you probably did. But you score 82, you get your program back. You have a four-star program, right? So your four-star program is based on years of training, four-star type of athletes. If somebody can plank for three to four minutes, they broad jump 1.25 times their height. Typically, they can lift 
anywhere between 100 and 150% of their body weight for the deadlift, for the front squat, and they can do like bench press 50 to 100%. So there are all these things that we've built into it to give corresponding training based on that score. So that's the key. That's where it starts. But that score unlocks the training, which is four weeks and four days a week, meaning four training days a week. So they could do it in, in unison with their practice. If they're a young sports athlete, um, their job, whatever they do as an adult, or, you know, like yourself, you can just turn it on once in a while, use it. If you like the workout, check it out. That's dope. Yeah. Man, that's, that's, that's super cool, man. So before, you know, before I let you go, man, is there any, any other tips? Cause we got some good ones, but is there any other tips that we might be missing that you can, that you can give my, uh, my listeners in terms of health wise, making them, you know, yeah. you know, the best, best year of their life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say just try not to be too, um, over the top with the goals, like just set small goals and, Try to train two to four times a week. You know, yeah. if you do that, you'll be good. You get that smoothie in. I mean, health, health is a big deal, man. I really, I really believe in, I studied public health and, and epidemiology was one of the scariest classes that I ever took because it, it was the study of like mortality rates and, and reasons why people die. And the number one reason in America is heart disease. Number two is cancer. Three is like chronic respiratory issues four is like random car accidents and stuff like that. Five is diabetes. So four out of the top five are health related, which when you look at the reasons why people usually get heart disease, cancer, diabetes, it has to do with their habits. So if you can create good, healthy habits, you're going to, you're going to lower your mortality rate and the chances of you, you know, going away earlier than, but maybe you should habits man that's something that's that's something sam hey sam thank you so much man for your time and for your expertise and for your knowledge i greatly appreciate it love what you're doing how you show up and uh man thanks for being a guest on the shark effect and i mean i would definitely want to have you on again no doubt thanks for having me i appreciate it my man thanks for listening to this week's episode of the shark effect podcast if you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at thesharkeffect.com. Thanks for listening. It's here, finally. My book, The Ultimate Playbook for High Achievement. You can get it on Amazon and the uh, paper paperback version or you can get it on kindle and who this book is an in, intentionally created for is for those who are looking tra to transition what, whether you was an athlete or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever if you're looking to transition into something different this book can help you I break it down, I lay down the foundation of who you want to be. I have a chapter in there that breaks down and boils down leadership, which is influence. And you gotta understand these 10 influencers that can help you with decision-making, that can help you with influencing others. 
and how are you influenced? I have chapters in there that really breaks down my system of assignment, alignment, and adjustment. Um, recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter. Developing your own procedures, creating relationship roadmaps, using adversity to your advantage, right? Because we all go through tough times, but how do you flip it? How do you use it to power you, okay? And then developing your own standards. So these are things that can help anybody, not just, not just athletes. Now, there's some stories in there, you know, that covers topics that, that resonate with athletes. But I think overall, this book can help um, anyone who is looking to transition into becoming successful in something new, something different. Okay, so make sure check it out. Amazon, the ultimate playbook for high achievement.